The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. I am so excited about our podcasters joining us today. And I'm certainly excited about uh, some new members that have connected with me this past week. I hate to say it, listeners, but the talk of the devil, the talk of universalism, the softer side of Satan is basically what that group is. The talk of the destruction of Satan is very appealing to a lot of you listeners. And I know that's why our numbers are going up on certain podcasts, which I try to keep track of. And then there's others that are not as popular when I looked at that particular sermon as most potent with the message of truth. I understand, Harrington, you telling me that uh, people are turning off our new video when it comes to the scriptures being revealed on the video. I get it. They like the devil stuff. They like to be scared into salvation. They like to be scared into a decision of, of allowing the Bible to be their primary resource. They, they study the book of Revelation because they're scared or they want to understand the final times so they can make a logical decision. But I'm here to tell you, listeners, particularly you listeners who like listening and you're a part of the soft side of Satan, the love, love, love children, the universalist. Everything's fine. Every religion's fine. Every pathway's fine. I want to warn you folks that it is almost next to impossible to reach you. Whereas I can have a Satanist in my office who clearly understands a lot of the devil stuff and is more honest about who they are worshiping. So they can exchange gods. Whereas you universalists know and think that no matter what God we talk about, we're talking about your God. That's why it's so difficult to share the truth with you. So I thank you listeners who are getting this. Who are not just being scared out of hell or scared into hell or scared into the Bible or scared to stay away from certain things you've been involved with. You're getting the truth because the Holy Spirit's revealing it to you. As you know, we have been a part of a series on universalism. This particular message is bringing closure to the heavy, intense part. There's going to be a few more messages, one following this that is going to uh, finish up the primary talk on universalism and then I'm going to topically open up a couple areas that have affected our country in particular i.e. the movement of the enlightened ones from Europe from Egypt 
and back in Solomon's time. It's important for us to understand some of the symbols we draw and write and, and uh, tattoo on our bodies and what they really represent. The reason why God is against tattooing, as we know in the Hebrew, do not mark your bodies, is because it's the number one technique of Satan. Secondly, it's the number one technique of God. God's going to mark us. And Satan's going to mark his people. So if I was sitting around the council of the Antichrist, listening to all these, these world leaders discuss and find ways that they can literally wash away this symbolism and inking each other and putting marks on each other, it'd be tattoos. I can tell you historically where the idea of tattooing came from and it embarrass you if you have a tattoo. Well, if you do have a tattoo, as many Indwell believers do have today, this is not to make you feel guilty. It's just simply to wake you up a little bit. So what are you going to do if you are 62 years old and when you were 22 years old, you put the pentagram on your shoulder or on your whole back as one of my counselees had? What do you do with that? What do you do if you were a part of a cult group like white supremacy, for example, and you had this tattoo of your mark of your group put on your, your left arm? What are you going to do after you're born again? What are you going to tell your children? Don't do that. Don't mark your body because the Antichrist is going to come and mark it further. God knows what he's saying usually. No, always. There's always a reason why a parent tells a child, don't do this. The answer may not be seen for 40 years for that child. As it is with God, if he says, I don't want you marking your body, when you go into the, the book of Revelation and see how much is surrounding these marks, you, you kind of get it. So the enemy puts a cultural fad fashion into position of marking your bodies endlessly. Plus, it has been told to me by people who get tattoos, it's addictive. So this is number actually 90. I forgot to change the number on this slide. I will have that changed before we upload the PDF. But it's number 90, and it is the study of Satanology. Okay, here is a quote. I've actually had personal contact with this gentleman before he died. He is the guy that wrote the Satanic Bible. In fact, I got invited to his home. And uh, there was a period in my ministry that uh, I would go what we would call toe-to-toe -to -toe with the enemy. He was the big boy on the block at the time. To give you a little bit of a background on Anton LaVey, who wrote the Satanic Bible, he was a hand-picked child by the Rothschilds in the Illuminati Society. Literally, they built him a cult uh, temple in California, which is now a very famous vineyard. And from this location, he would take orders from the Illuminati, and he would bring them into civil society through his uh, doctrinal proclamations. 
There was a period he was extremely popular because he made sense. If you sat down with him and said, do you believe you're a devil worshiper? He would say, no. Do you believe that you truly are a Satanist, worshiping Satan? And he would say, that's what you call it. We call it the God of the universal light. So what they truly believe is keeping Lucifer, angel of light, in place. So the Luciferian society that was started by the Illuminati is keeping Satan in his original name, character of God. Satan is a description given to him as a fallen angel. So as curious as I was, and many others were, is why do you call yourself a Satanist? And why did you write this Bible called the Satanic or the Satan Bible? Well, let's take a look at it. We don't worship Satan. We worship ourselves using the metaphorical representation of the qualities of Satan. I hope you're getting that. Because that is the basis of psychology. Just erase the word Satan. You see, we worship ourselves. We, we, we are our God. Hinduism, I'm actually going down the list of religions that are based on this statement. Believe it or not, Anton LaVey was a very honest man. Here he represented the entire Church of Satan, the modern founder of the Church of Satan, even though it existed long before him. He would classify him the founder of the American Church of Satan. Satan is a name used by Judo-Christians for that force that pride within us. But the force itself has been called by many names. We embrace Christian myths of Satan and Lucifer along with satanic renderings in Greek, Roman, Islamic, Sumerian, Syrian, Egyptian, Chinese, Hindu methodologies, to name but a few. We are not limited to one deity, but encompass all the expressions of the accuser or the one who advocates free thought. In his writings, you will find these two words everywhere. Free thought. If you remember from our recent series on Universalist Church, free thought. In fact, a lot of these concepts that he is revealing in this quote are in the Church of Universalism. The term is used frequently. It so happens that we are living in a culture that is predominantly Judo-Christian, so we emphasize Satan. If we were living in the Roman times, the central figure, perhaps the title of the religion, would be different. But the name would be expressing and communicating the same thing. It's all context. But see, if you talk to an average Christian or an Indewalt Christian, Christ follower or one who has Christ in them, they're going to have pictures in their mind. 
of these guys in black robes with blood coming out of the corner of their mouth. I have tons of quotes from this man that have been collected through the years, and one of the stories that he tells is he was getting off of a, an airplane in Texas, and his people greeted him, and they're all in their black robes. And they're necklaces with the pentagram or any other symbol that was favorite to them. And he says in this quote, Why have you embarrassed me like this? For all of you think that Satanism is darkness. It is light. He rebukes the ones who were walking around in black robes and starting a holiday called Halloween and on and on and on all these wars and rumors of wars that come with Satanism it's not what he was about he was on a mission to bring the illumined ones their message to a civil society well he died two months before I was able to see him after the invite you see this man is more intelligible and reasonable. Someone that you could dialogue with, that could literally educate you and help you understand something, than some child who's 14 years of age walking around with a you know, white supremacist tattoo on and a poster signs or whatever saying, we are Satanists. You cannot reason with an idiot. And an idiot is someone who communicates truth they know nothing about. They just like the commercials. They hate. That's why they're called hate groups. They're into it for the hate. Not the message. Even though there's probably good odds this man is in the pit of Hades right now. But then I can't say he is. He may have had a deathbed salvation a nurse might have led him to Christ before he took his last breath I don't know but what I'm telling you is that their message is no different than that of the love side of free thought and context is what's, what's your big religion in your country what's your big religion in this this state, this community this territory, this village. We're okay with it. We'll use your language. We'll use your symbols, your cartoons, your jewelry. We don't care. Because all we're after is free thought. Do you see? It's all being pushed into one satellite. So whoever gets control of the satellite in the end will control the minds of the people. So radicals are communicating a lie. When you say there's radical Muslims and there's peace-loving Muslims, liar, liar, pants on fire. There's just some into commercials and others into waiting patiently for the hour. That's what Christians do. Some are so radical they're fighting every policy that's coming out of Washington, D.C., and there's others that know it's supposed to happen. And they're waiting patiently. 
preparing their families, preparing their churches, preparing their communities or whatever, preparing for the final days. That's what we want to do. That's why I'm done carrying picket signs of social issues because it's a distraction which many of his other quotes reveal the greatest way to control a man is by helping him carry a picket sign because it busies the people and that's what he said after this quote is that I, I decided this is helping us it's not hurting us it's distracting the people so that those who are really serious about our religion can get the work done. And I went, wow. He's even got the world system down. Of course, his mentors have a little edge on that one. So yes, Satanology is a real study. And it is a study of the fallen angel Lucifer if there are, by any chance, any Satanists listening to this podcast, I need to tell you something. I know you're trying to take this creature back to his first name. Because supposedly it's the first name that gives you authority. And I'm here to tell you the reason why God took that name away from him is God, is God was stripping him of his authority. And he gave him several other names that clearly describe these deceptive, cunning, lying ways that you're refusing to use. Those of you who are universalist leaders and pastors who, at least uh, from a couple responses, I know that you're a listener to the podcast. I'm here to tell you today, you're a Satanist. Plain and simple. You're a Satanist. You're not a Luciferian society leader, as you call yourself. You are a Satanist. You're of the fallen angel who has a strategic plan to unify all pathways unto one God. And that can only happen through free thought. Pragmatically speaking, this is from a gentleman by the name of Matt Paradise, who wrote the book Bearing the Devil's Mark, which is where I got some of my information from tattoos. Pragmatically speaking, I like the fact that the masses vote, abuse drugs, believe in Jesus, follow sports, and worship a flag. They are tools of social engineering that keep the many uh, sedate, pacified, and out of the people's hair. And, of course, he's specifically saying out of his hair so he can get his work done. This gentleman was not an end-well believer that I know of. But, see, I'm not afraid to gather information from non-end-well believers because some of them are honest about this stuff. There actually are honest, evil people. In fact, there's many believe that there's more dishonest Christians than there are worldly people. I don't know what the statistics are on that, but if someone is willing to tell me what they truly believe, I am willing to sit and listen. Because I already know what I believe. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-5, through 5, get this, 
But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith. Some will fall away from the faith, meaning they had it. This is one of the passages that a lot of the charismatic groups use to say you can lose your salvation. That's not good context. But some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to what? Deceitful spirits. Remember that passage I quoted you earlier where it says, For we do not fight flesh and blood, but we fight powers of darkness and principalities of the, the air. Oh God, thank you for not letting me see this morning the principalities of the air that are out there. They're not in here. That are out there roaming around seeing whom they can devour. Thank you, God, for the age of grace. There's some Christians that beg to see the spirit world so they can battle the spirit world. I'm not one of them. I know how to battle the spirit world without seeing them. I don't need to see them to have the proof to know what I need to be praying about. People who are demanding to see the spiritual world, listen carefully, listeners, particularly my pastor friends in Africa, who do see these spirits day in and day out. Listen to me carefully. Ask God to shut your spiritual eyes. These demonic spirits are based on fear. They're based on oppression. They're based on their graven imagery to frighten you to get you focused on things that don't matter. And what really matters is for you, pastor, to train your people on the very life of Christ that is in them. That's where Shekinah glory will chase away darkness. And you are crazily misinformed if you think that you can stand in front of a demon being submitted to God and that demon is not going to flee. That's James chapter 4. Submit therefore to God, resist the and he will flee. Just being in the presence, submitted to God, the radiant glory of Shekinah glory coming out through you, you think that demon is going to be able to stand in front of that light, which means power. Light means power. Lucifer we have power. You see what they're doing? He's darkness. His lights have been turned out. And you need to be training your people that that light, that life, that power is living inside a true indwell believer. So, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Yes, there's actually a true Bible based on their doctrines. By means of hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience. When you have a seared conscience, you cannot dialogue with a seared conscience person. Here's how I know that. I can have David standing here, and I can have, let's just say, one of his friends standing next to him. Let's say his friend has got a seared conscience. And David doesn't. Both of them are unsaved. They haven't received the indwelling life of Christ yet. I can look into David's eyes, and as I'm talking to him, I can see 
that he doesn't have a seared conscience. I don't care what his past was like. Because he's receptive. But his buddy, I'm saying the exact same truths to, and he's turning me off. Like flipping the light switch. Not making it through to anything. It's because he has a seared conscience. The way Satan gets people to deny their faith, according to what Paul said to Timothy, was a seared conscience does what to faith? They fall away from it. This verse is very prophetic. Even in our Christian society. So two of their biggies are men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with... Now think of the temple. Enter the courtyard with thanksgiving and praise. It says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by... With a, that's a formula. If you're praying and you're not thankful for something, be patient because God will be patient with you. But your prayers are fruitless. You'll wake up the next day anxious and you'll say the same prayer again and again and again and again and again. The reason is because you're not entering the courtyard with thanksgiving and praise. So what removes anxiety is a heart filled with thanksgiving and praise and not buying into doctrines of demons. You cannot buy into a doctrine of a demon which sears your conscience unless one thing happens. Your unforgiving heart makes you unthankful and having a lack of praise. Big stuff here. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the Word of God and prayer. I don't know about you guys, but I fall in and out constantly of being devoted to the Word of God. I fall in and out constantly of being devoted in prayer. Those are the two areas that Satan is very intimidated by. The Word of God. And reaching over to the person who's oppressing you and putting your hand on them and praying for them. I've been in situations, one being an old rock star, he's converted now, where, and I discovered it by accidental, he cornered me and was doing some cursing, demonic cursing on me. And I felt it. And I felt this overwhelming urge to get my Bible, so I let him back me right into my Bible was in the back of the classroom, and I let him back me into where my Bible was. I picked up my Bible, and all I did was first pick up my Bible, and he backed up three feet. Then I opened up my Bible, and he backed up again. Then I started walking like this, and he started walking backwards. I haven't said a word yet. That's the day that God showed me even the book. God is a God of the internal 
and eternal. Satan is a god of the external. Things bother him. Books, jewelry, prayers, quoting the word, getting into the word. He'll give you space. So why don't you study the word? That's what you and I should call a duh. In our video clip earlier of when he said, for I will hinder your prayers, that would be called a duh. Because he can't be there. So how is one to determine what doctrines of demons are? It's easy. Satanists are trained to take verses in the Bible and rewrite them opposite of how God stated them. Now, I have counseled four certified high priests in the Satan church. They told me a lot of their techniques of what they use on trainees. This is one of them. I'm going to give you an example of how they do it. Galatians 2.20, my favorite verse. Although the older I get, the more I'm finding the word is my favorite verse. But I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I lives, but the, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians 2.20. And here's how they're trained to write it opposite. This is a homework assignment that's given to them, their students. To rewrite everything opposite. And this is how doctrines of demons are formed. Someone read the opposite out loud. I mean, that's almost right out of Anton LaVey's quotes. There are websites dedicated to this man's quotes. And I'm here to tell you, and those of you who have been a part of Satanism in the past, you know I'm telling you the truth. He was popularized by his quotes because all he did is took the original quote and wrote it backwards. So you want to know where this this theology comes from of the Satanists, Satanology? That's how they do it. Here's another example. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Also, uh, some more verses that I favor. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed. There's a formula in this verse. You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who has given us a pledge, a promise, in our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Doctrine of Demons says, who would like to read this one? Now you see, most Christians or indwelt Christians would hear that and go, well, that's just ridiculous. 
But in 40 years of ministering to people, I have heard this statement in behavior of people in my office more than any other. That they somehow think that redemption comes by something they have to do. That if they're, you know, offline with God or Jesus, that God's not going to listen to them. God's going to punish them. God's going to hold back the, the rewards, as our actor shared with us earlier today. There's a promise given in inheritance, the goods. After you heard the message of truth, received it, believed it by faith, you receive the Holy Spirit into your life, and then he seals you. Now let's put a doctrine together about losing your salvation. That'd be a good one. That somehow something you could do in self-effort will break the seal. Any seal that man makes, like sealing a can of peas, another man can come along and invent something to break the seal. True? That's the whole industry of the world. That's what we do. Anything that God seals, it would take someone bigger than God bigger inventor to break that seal here's the irony Satan actually believes he is that person that he believes that he can break the seals and promises of God the other part of that irony is is that he's correct in an illusion by deceiving indwell believers to think there's something they have to do in their, their walk with Christ to maintain the rewards maintain God's blessing maintain oneness with God maintain you know every rich thing that God has to offer I say tap your heels together, Dorothy. It's been there the whole time you were saved. And you've been buying into the sorcery of the wizard. And all of the colorful things around you. And demons flying around scaring you. I mean, that movie clearly depicts a spiritual principle for sure. The truth has always been there. And the way to distract someone is through color, smells, scary demon creatures flying around, the wicked witch of the West. Think that's accidental. Huh. You see, it works. It's an illusion. Because she woke up. Remember? Well, Satan counts on that fantasy world people just buy into it including you and I we just buy into this stuff it's got to be something I'm doing it has to be something I need to do it has to be something I really? the finished work is either the finished work or it is not the finished work the Holy Spirit was empathetic and stated inwards at Paul that in the last days two significant doctrines of demons 
would emerge that had to be resisted and exposed by the elect who know the truth. I hope I'm one of them. The demons did not decide to introduce these doctrines idly. They are not insignificant doctrines for sure. They strike at the very heart of the intent of God in the plan of salvation and the adequacy uh, to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and to reach every corner of culture. These doctrines are two specific heirs which seek to undermine the rational intent of all creation. Just these two doctrines. Now I'm going to summarize these two doctrines for you. In our cultural, you're going to, culture you're going to read about in the news tomorrow. Maybe tonight. Maybe you read them this morning. Marriages. How big of an issue is that with our government? With our cities? With our world? Organics. Restoring the earth back to its original. Environmental issues. The list goes on and on and they can be placed under one of these two doctrines of demons. The news. You will hear or read tomorrow. First doctrine of demon is the teaching that one should abstain from marriage or minimally repurposing its meaning. The doctrine is of spiritism, which seeks for spiritual union or like-mindedness by making use of all spirits. All spirits. The intent of this doctrine of demons is to strike at the very basis of the teaching uh, unit that God has chosen to deal with as an example of his system. The unit is a family and the family unit itself it all starts with that family who originated and still is by the way intact in heaven. And I'm going to show you this in a minute. By destroying the stability of earthly families the demons destroy the basic building blocks of the trinity of our society. So the talk of Trinitarianism becomes a cult study, as it was told to me recently. We are watching this society crumble before our eyes because people are starting to live together outside of marriage or by changing the rules of marriage, gay marriages. It's a fund, it, it is fundamental to our understanding and our relationship with Jesus Christ and our worship of God, that the family unit is understood. The breakdown of the family and the national system then goes into the willingness to allow Satan to rebuild Sodom and Gurmaya, and thus damages the doctrines of being the bride of Christ. Know this. Listeners, listen very carefully. I have evil people that contact me telling me I know the truth. And then I have these people contacting me saying, where'd you get that? 
God's not like that. Da 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 da. It blows my mind that the evil people actually get it faster and quicker than Christians. Anytime you get Satan upset, anytime, he's going to perform an act of revenge. And when God blew up Sodom and Gomorrah, those twin cities, because of what reason? Homosexuality. I can, uh, I can assure you from that day forward, he began to rebuild an entire world based on this doctrine of demons. And it's being approved all over the world, worldwide, almost on a daily basis. Here's our first diagram. This is the original family in heaven. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in, in the book of Job, uh, demonic or spirit forces are referred to as sons of God. There Satan stood with the sons of God. Lucifer was the archangel in charge of worship. And his wings, his pinions, were to cover God. Okay? Michael the archangel was and is in charge of warfare. Simple deal. Gabriel the archangel is in charge of all messages. This is God's system of family system that is in heaven. And it worked for we don't know how long until something really sneaky happened. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in prime position. Immovable. Trin uh, unit. They are not going to separate for anyone. Any creative universalist who's come up with their own self-made doctrines to try to change this. It will not move for anyone. Satan learned that the hard way. While he was still named Lucifer, he steps out of line and he attempts to take over the role of the father. Anyone, hopefully, in our world today understands this basic truth. There's no family without a father. Or you have bastard children. Or you have a wife who is left to these bastardized children to raise them and the rejection that she experienced and the hardship and the turmoil because there's no father to care for them. And Satan just chuckles when it happens. It is the system. God the Father takes care of his entire family. It's soon to be expanded here. He's responsible for bringing discipline to Lucifer. He's responsible for bringing power to Michael. He's responsible for delivering the messages from his own mind to Gabriel to carry out to specific people. He's very organized. And the best way, Satan knew this, the best way to get charge of this superstructure is take the role of the Father. God the Father. 
Jesus the Son. You see, God the Father says, I am the Word. If you want a good definition of love, folks, He's saying, I am that definition. And Jesus came along and said, well, whatever I say is not of me, it's of my Father. So you see, if you take out the role of Father, you don't have a family anymore. And now you gay people have to come and ask if you can adopt one of my children. But I still ask you the simple question, where's your daddy? And they don't have to answer that for me because I enjoy answering it for them. One of you looks masculine. And one of you tries to play the feminine role. Every once in a while you'll see a couple two masculine ones together and those usually don't make it. Because see, they're all fighting for headship. They're all fighting for father position. You can rename it, recycle it, revisionize it, do whatever you want to this, but I'm telling you, even gay people live by this rule. One of them has to start acting masculine. Or father-ish. Oh, Satan knew what he was doing, but so did God. So here's the design now starting to enter the earth. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And through there, God actually said for they were created in the image of the us. You see, he's keeping that unity, that triunity together. And you have Adam and Eve. But see, he... He created Adam from dirt, but the Hebrew actually says that Eve was formed from existing life, not dirt. So therefore, the responsibility for the dirt was given to Adam to cultivate it, to manage it, to name it, because there's power in names. So over here, we have the Trinity of God. We have Adam as the husband. We have Eve as the wife. Eve is representing the role of the Holy Spirit. Adam is representing the role of Jesus Christ. And Adam also had to be the representative of God the Father. And that's why Jesus referred to himself in several references as the, as the Father. The Son is the representative of everything the Father believes. So you and your household shall be saved. That verse won't work unless this Hebrew principle is living and breathing. Satan steals the earthly trinity role of the Father. He was able to do that. Temporarily. So the trinity of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, due to this deception that Satan used in turning the scriptures backwards on Eve, she bought into it. For some reason, we don't mind if things are said to us backwards. They go from a non-logical God statement to a logical human statement. Hmm. I'll buy the logical human statement. It works very effectively. So he needed to 
push God the Father out of the role in that garden. He had to change who Adam and Eve were going to get their orders from. So, feminine male was led around by his lust from that point forward. So in our actor this morning, that was the area he was punching at the most. Perfect setup for homosexuality. Because men get tired of being led around by women. It's a fact. They'll tolerate it for quite a while if they're mama's boys. But after a while, they bolt. Over here you have masculine female. Always dominant, always giving the orders, always playing the role of the husband, always playing the role of daddy, always playing the role of, of this masculine role because my husband's stupid. He doesn't get it. He doesn't pray over the children. He doesn't read the word over the children. He doesn't get it. He's stupid. If he doesn't do it, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this from wife uh, in counseling over the years, is if my husband won't do it, who's going to do it? I said, you, of course. So your children are going to look to women for advice. Do you know how many men today pick a female counselor over a male? Most. And I said years ago, that's going to get in the church real fast. Where men will actually pick churches that have female pastors before they will men. Why? Because they're mama's boys all grown up. I want to hear orders from women, not men. That's a setup for lesbianism. This is way, 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 way back in human history. He was setting the stage for Sodom and Gomorrah. The men and the women. And now it's legal in our world today. So the future generations automatically are going to look up to Satan because he's their daddy. See, when I was born, I was born with Satan as my daddy. The reason why I had to be converted in Christ Jesus is I needed the original dad. Satan is the father of lies. Jesus himself looked at the Pharisees and he said, You are of your father. Satan. Now, if Jesus is going to use that term, Satanist, I'm going to use it. For you are of your father, Satan, not Lucifer. These generations have to do what their daddy tells them to do. But since man has become so brilliant, He's had to find covert ways to manipulate them into his domain. Doctrines of Trinity fade in society. So whether you're dad with new wife or your mom with new dad, or maybe you're one of these gay marriages, dad number one and dad number two, and mom number one and mom number two. So that the fruit that comes from that relationship are mixed fruit. The reason why they're mixed fruit is you come in and ask me if you can adopt my child. 
you have to adopt fruit from me because I'm living out my life as God designed it to. So you're still confessing that the original design is true. You'll never, ever get around this diagram. And they are scientifically working on ways for gay people to have pregnancies. But they still have to come and talk to us for our seed. They cannot change this. There's two things that man cannot manipulate. Seed source and time. So over here, it's the exact same thing with being raised by lesbians. Or a mom that has had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten. I mean, the lady at the well had five husbands. And if you look at it in the Greek text, you theologians know this. He's speaking present tense. She still has five husbands. In other words, you may nix them on earth through your rules and regulations. But in heaven, you'll be held into account. Children defiled perspective. Next generation decides on what the church's doctrines will be. So doctrines of demons... Done deal. Why is this important to me? Because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are never going to be separated. Someone please tell me what happens to the Holy Spirit when you receive Christ and the indwelling life of Christ becomes a reality for you. Where does the Holy Spirit go? Inside you. Do you see how important it is for Satan to bring doctrines of demons? It is a covert, subtle plan to destroy the Trinity through the bride of Christ who has the Holy Spirit living inside them who actually is one of these three members of this triune. So attacking the bride of Christ attacks the triune of God. Well, see, Jesus knows that. So he says, I'll tell you what, Satan. I'll come back and defend my bride. And he first comes, because remember, Hebrew law is that a woman cannot see a man get angry. So he comes... And he scoops up his bride. And he drops them in their e eternal destination. He comes back over and says, You and I are going to have a little fight. And they're going to fist fight this thing out. It takes two massive world wars to finish it off. With judgment in between the two. And he royally disintegrates every human being, every demon. All their doctrines are proven to be lies. And Satan himself, he disintegrates all of them for hurting his bride.
Women are called to def- men are called to defend women. Not women training themselves to defend men. Which I've been told is one of the most popular things to do in women's societies today and that is to be trained in self-defense. Little girls carrying around pocket knives or guns or whatever. It's opposite. It's a demonic doctrine. Whereas in the Hebrew, it is the role of Jesus. He is my provider, my protector, my warrior. He is everything to me because I'm the woman and he's the man. There you got it. So Satan and his council sat around and went, let's see, how can we destroy this? Let's get these little girls to become the men. One, that's going to help us with our lesbian Sodom and Gramiah goal. Two, men love masculine women for a while, and then they'll divorce them. That's a good one. And he starts accomplishing these missions. If you remember correctly, when we did our survey in Colorado Springs, who won the survey of picking the charismatic church? The women did. Who won the survey in picking the conservative Baptist church? The men did. Men are designed by God to naturally be drawn to conservative doctrines. Women are, are designed by God to be freelancers. And that's why they often get involved in prophecy studies and and listening to leaders from God only knows where hitting a topic that is not under their husband. And that's why Peter said to the ladies, if you have a husband who's disobedient to the word, win him without a word. Women look at that passage as suppressive. Peter looks at the passage as deliverance. God will never touch your husband as long as you're speaking. God redeems the role as Heavenly Father, and that's exactly what he did in Christ Jesus. He pushed Satan out of the way when you became born again, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And even in through the redemption of the cross, he moved Satan out of that primary spot in church history and tore the veil between the innermost and the dynamic and role and function of the family in our society was put back in place. So you have God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then you have Christ, head of the marriage, husband, wife. And now the children are getting good doctrinal teachings again, just through the issue of marriage. It's absolutely powerful. Here's a couple paragraphs for you to spend a couple uh, moments uh, reading later if you, if you would like. But it's re-emphasizing this whole issue related to our society and how Satan gets into our society through certain cultural deceptions. And this whole issue of marriage is absolutely huge in every country to this very day. I want to ask you that if you have, if you could pick one religion who does not 
um, violate what I just showed you, what religion would it be? Can't say Christians anymore. Highest divorce rate is amongst Christians. Muslims have the highest track record of keeping marriages intact. Orthodox Jews are number two. And then there's many other groups that fall into kind of a, we're at the bottom. We show the worst example to the world on how marriages are supposed to work. But there are people who hate God that hold to these doctrines better than you and I do. So divorce is huge for Satan because you have the Trinity through the representation of marriage. In order for him to get at your children, he's got to do the divorce thing. So you add another husband or another wife to the mix and it confuses and defiles the children. Paul even said that to the people asking these questions. He said, stay together, lest your children become defiled, or some translations use unclean. Satan can't get at your children to make them unclean until the divorce happens. That's what's being said. That's why we have so many defiled children today. A few more points I want you to uh, review, but I want to move on to the identity statement today. God the Father established the institution of marriage in the garden to prepare the way for the original eternal design and union of Christ and the church. Scriptures are right there. The point is this. A husband and a wife united in marriage combine to uh, combine to the form and one perfect human being, that of Christ Jesus, of course, the one who is the complement and the comp- completer of the other. Therefore, Christ makes the church a necessary appendage to himself. It's his physical, external demonstration of his marriage to us. He is the model from whom, as the blueprint, the church is formed. That's out of Romans 6, 5. He is her head, as the husband is to the wife, as scripture is given there. Death is the tool that serves the bridegroom and the bride. But death cannot separate Christ and his bride. It actually consummates the marriage. So I have to stay married to Jane until death parts us. But see, with my marriage with Christ, death only consummates the marriage. And you wonder why Satan messes with marriages? Wonder why that's one of the one big doctrinal demonic beliefs in the world today? That is why. Next week we are going to talk about part two, which is the whole world of environmentalism. And why that's a significant issue, being one of the two that Paul is talking about. So uh, we hope that all of you join us for that.
This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.